0: Well good morning Cross Point Church. How's everybody doing this morning? everybody doing well? It is great to see you here this morning. I'm so excited to be back with you. Uh, this, over the last couple of weeks I've had a, a, a wonderful opportunity to, uh, to work with the North American Mission Board up in Boston, Massachusetts and just see some wonderful things that God is doing up there and also to be involved in, in coaching and assessing and, and, and just training, some church planners that are doing wonderful works in Boston and so uh, I'll tell you a little bit more about that in just a second but also um, I flew back uh, home from Boston and uh, landed and took off to Buford South Carolina did a wedding and then got a phone call on North American mission Board asked if we could come back and do some more training so it was a it was a pretty fast and furious uh, couple of weeks just being away from you guys but but I am so excited about being back with you I, I tell you one of the refreshing things for me being away and, and seeing what God's doing in a place like Boston, I'd always looked at Boston as a very dark place, and indeed it is. Uh, I think only uh, less than 2% of the population there proclaim to be evangelical Christians, and so it's a, it's a very low rate of, of Christians in that area. But but the reality is God's doing some tremendous things through the, the work of some church planters up there. Uh, I was a part of Seeing a network of 60 church planners that are that are reaching that city for Christ. And it's been really encouraging to know that they are reaching Boston for Christ and that life change is taking place. I'll tell you, Boston is known as the, the most influential city in our country today. And that's because of schools like Harvard and MIT and many others, where many of the world leaders are coming through there for their education. The technology industry is there in Boston. The medical industry is there in Boston. And so it has become one of the most influential cities in our, in our country. But there's a group of about 60 church planners there and, and more coming every day. Uh, people who have a sense of calling to go into that city and to reach that city with the gospel message that Jesus is their hope. And uh, and I, one of the encouraging things that, that happened while I was up there is is talking to the people that had been reached, talking to those who had come to know Jesus because of the work of these church planners and because of the, the movement of God sweeping through that city. And so it was very encouraging for me, and I look forward to the, the partnerships that were created for us to go back and, and to, to do mission work there in those places, uh, listen out for us to be sending teams there soon, uh, I'm already talking to Ethan about a college team to go up there in December and just many others to follow, but God is doing some incredible things in our world. And the reason I find that so encouraging to me is that oftentimes when, we, when we're camped out here in our city, Valdosta, and we're reaching our city for, for Jesus, and, and we see God moving here, oftentimes we, we see what's happening in the world just by via news, and we, we sort of lose sight that God is working all over this, this country, and He is reaching people uh, in the name of Jesus. And so that was for me was just very encouraging. Uh, But it's good to be here this morning with you. Uh, I'm excited to jump into a new series. The series that we're going to be starting today is called Greater Than. And the the subtitle to to this series is Understanding the Sufficiency of Christ. Understanding the Sufficiency of Christ. My hope and my prayer is that as we walk through this series together and we explore God's Word together, that we will come to an understanding that Jesus is enough as we uh, confront the, the many different situations that we face, the hardships, the trials, the difficulties of this life. Every one of us are going through different situations in life. Every one of us deal with different issues and have different problems in life. But Jesus is enough, and that's what God's Word teaches us and that's why I'm so excited about this series and what it's going to be uh, doing. If you have ever struggled with anxiety or insecurity or fear or discouragement or bitterness or anger or hopelessness or any of those things, then this series is going to encourage you. This series is going to point you back to Jesus. And it's going to be one of those things that I believe, as a church, we grow stronger together in just understanding the sufficiency of Christ Jesus, and so my prayer is, as we prepare to dive into the message this morning and dive into this uh, this uh, the Word of God this morning, that uh, that our prayer, my prayer, would be that we discover just how capable Jesus is in our life. Amen. Don't you want to discover that together this morning? Just how <laughs> capable Jesus is in our life. You know, oftentimes I think in the video sort of pointed this out we lean too much on our own abilities to get through these situations, don't we? We, we fight it ourselves instead of realizing that Jesus has, has equipped us and, and is here to help us. And so that's what this series is going to be about. I'm excited about it. Let's pray. And then we're going to dive into God's Word here together. Father, we, uh, we thank you so much for, God, your presence in our life. We thank you for the work that you are doing in this place and in the lives of many in this city. But God, we're also thankful for your presence and your power and your movement in cities like Boston and even New York City today where we have a team that has just landed to work with a group there dealing with human trafficking in New York City. God, we, we see these, these mighty works that you have established. And God, we are so encouraged to know that you are working uh, in, in these places that to us may seem so dark but God, Your light is shining in the darkness. And so, Father, we thank You for that. God, help us to better be able to reach our city and beyond, to our our Judea and our Samaria and even the ends of the earth. God, we want to be faithful in all that You have given us and all that You have called us to do. Father, we thank You for this time now where we have gathered in this place to, to worship You through the reading and the preaching of Your Word. And God, I know that, Lord, Your Word... Is, is one that challenges us, it convicts us, but it also encourages us as we deal with the circumstances that this life has to offer. And so, Father, I pray for each and every person that's here today, God, that as we look into your word, that we would, we would find comfort in who you are. And, Lord, that we would come to a fuller understanding of the sufficiency of Christ Jesus in our life. My prayer, Father, this morning is that in the end, Lord, we would all be able to say, Jesus is enough. Lord, we love you, and we just thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, uh, I'm going to make a statement here to start things off that I'm, I'm sure you're probably aware if you're just looking at my appearance, but I am not the same person I used to be when I was a teenager. But I'm not just talking about what you can clearly see today, I'm not talking about my age, and I'm not talking about my weight, and I'm not talking about my hair uh, changing colors or, or even falling out. I'm not talking about those physical things. When I say that I'm not the same that I used to be, what I'm referring to is that God has done a tremendous work in my life, not just spiritually, but emotionally as well. When I was a teenager, I was a, I was a mess. And I mean that seriously. Seriously. I'm not I'm not joking about that. I was a uh, emotionally, I was a wreck. Uh, spiritually, I was a wreck. but but you see, as, as I was going through life, I realized that that there were so many issues that just sort of overwhelmed me as a young man. My three biggest issues that I faced in life was one, insecurity. I tell you, I was the most insecure person that, that you probably would have ever met. I was very shy and just did. I had no confidence in life, and and so insecurity was a was a big issue in my life. Number two was fear. I, I was scared of everything. I was scared of. Of having conversation with people I was I was, I was scared of uh, of what my future might be I, I, I just, fear was one of those things that just sort of gripped me all the time it just sprang out of nowhere and it grabbed hold of me and so it, it, as a young man it was something I really struggled with but you see those two things also led to really the third biggest issue in my life which was hopelessness I remember having conversations with my dad and thinking that my life was never going to be any better that my life was full of despair and, and discouragement and I just didn't see any hope for my life. It wasn't until I was in my 20s that I came to understand who Jesus Christ was. And I came to understand that, that what He was doing in my life was He was drawing me unto Himself and spiritually I became a new person spiritually i became born again spiritually i came to a sense of understanding that jesus christ was my lord and my savior and so spiritually he had restored me unto himself what i didn't realize though is that he cared not only about my spirituality but he cared for me emotionally as well and what i began to realize about jesus was he was the wonderful counselor that i needed in my life and what he began to do is to give me security. He began to help me with my insecurity. He began to help me with the fears that that really just gripped me as a young man. And and he, he became the hope for my future. It wasn't in my abilities that I gained confidence. It wasn't in my abilities that I overcame the fear. It was what God was doing in me as a young man, as he pointed to himself as the source for everything I needed in life. And so today, I'm standing here today, and I am not the same person I used to be. Many of you probably have the same sort of testimony as God came into your life, as, as the Holy Spirit wooed you and, and, and drew you closer unto a holy God who, who sought to be your Lord and Savior. I came to realize that Jesus cares for me spiritually, emotionally, and even physically. Jesus cares for me. And this morning, I hope that after reading through this message, that today you will find that Jesus cares for you too. This morning, the message is titled, Jesus is greater than all my issues. Jesus is greater than all of my issues. I know that's a sort of a a, a blanket statement, but it's a reality in my life. I've come to this understanding that Jesus is just greater than than any problem that I might face or any issue that I might have in life. I tried to come up with something catchy for a sermon title here today, but the reality is this is the point I want to communicate. Jesus is greater than all of my issues. And so this morning we go to 1 Peter to to dive into God's Word, 1 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to be looking at verses 3-3 through 8 verses 3 through 8 turn there if you will and while you turn there let me just offer a little bit of background to to this passage obviously peter is the is the author of this letter that he was written this 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 epistle that he had he had written and this letter was written most likely between the years of 60 and 65 a.d now why would i mention that i mention that because that is a very devastating time for christianity it was a time of grand persecution for those who were followers of Jesus Christ. And as Peter is writing this letter, as he is writing this letter to the Christians, he's writing to the, to the Christians who were dispersed all over the ancient world. There were Christians who had gone out from Jerusalem and had spread into other lands. There were missionaries who had gone out and had shared the gospel and people had come to know Christ and there were Christians as far away as Rome from Jerusalem. And and, and so all of Christianity was spreading but with that came great persecution. And during the time of this letter there was a, a Roman emperor named Nero who was probably one of the greatest persecutors of the way That there had ever been. But he wasn't the only one. Everywhere Christians went. They were persecuted for their faith. Many of them were tortured. Many of them were killed for their faith. Many of them were going through the most difficult situations. They had ever faced in life. And Peter writes. This letter. To those Christians. Who were going through these difficult. Situations. His message was. Was really simple. His message was this We have been saved by Jesus Christ. We have been saved through Jesus Christ, and we have a hope now, a living hope. We have a hope. We, we no longer live hopelessly because we have a hope now that is imperishable. And I don't know how that sits with you this morning, but that, that brings me great comfort as I think about everything that Jesus is to me, the reality that He has saved me, that He has made me new, that He has offered to me hope. And this hope that I have in Christ Jesus is an imperishable hope. It will never go away. I love that. And so Peter is writing this letter to believers everywhere who are going through some of the most difficult times of their life. And maybe today you are sitting here and everything's going just peachy. Everything's going well. Everything, you know, life couldn't be better. You're, you're living today in high cotton. You ever heard that term? High cotton. That's good days. That's, that's real good days. And so maybe that's who you are today or maybe you're here today and you're going through some of the most difficult times you've ever faced in your life. But this message is relevant today for every one of us because whether you are going through situations now or whether today is the greatest day of your life, those days will come. In fact, the Word of God promises us that suffering will take place in our life. And so this message becomes one of encouragement to all of us here as followers of Christ Jesus. Read with me, if you will, starting with with verse 3. Peter has offered his introduction in verse 1 and 2. And then he says here, starting with verse 3, he says, Blessed be And though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Peter's writing this letter to people that are going through tough times. And he says, listen, Jesus has equipped you for these times. Jesus has prepared you for these times. Jesus is walking with you through these times and Jesus has something glorious for you as a follower as a child of God Jesus has something glorious for you as my disciple that's what Jesus is saying that's what Peter is revealing about what Jesus has done for us and most of us have probably never been through the hardships that Peter's audience was going through Most of us have never been stoned or or put to death. I mean, If we're here today, obviously that hasn't happened in our life. But we haven't been through the types of trials that so many of Peter's audiences, uh, his audience was going through. We haven't been through those sorts of persecutions. But I don't want to make light of the issues that we do face. Because the message that Peter is sending is that Jesus is enough. The message that Jesus, that that Peter is sending is that Jesus is sufficient in all things that we face in life. And so what are the things that we face? We face things like anxiety, don't we? Worry. You know, I don't have to ask you to raise your hand. How many of you ever worried? If I did, all of us would raise our hand because at some point in our life, we find ourselves really anxious maybe about the circumstance that we're going through or maybe it's about our future. If I ask in here, how many of us have ever been fearful? Again, once again, all of us. How many of us have ever been bitter? Most likely everybody. How many of us have ever been angry? All of us. As we think about the situations, how many of us in this room have from time to time felt very insecure? How many of us in this room from time to time have felt as though we have no confidence at all? You see, the reality is this thing called life for us is difficult as well. You don't have to go through persecution for the letter that Peter was writing to be very relevant to our life because the message is a message of hope that can only come from Jesus Christ. The struggles are real. And that's the point he's trying to make here. He says, I know what you're going through. Peter himself was going through persecution himself. He says, I know what you were going through. I know the difficulties that you face. But the point that, G, that, that Peter is making here, uh, as he points to Jesus as being enough, as he points to Jesus as being sufficient in our life, is that there comes a time in a believer's life when he moves away from declaring that life is hard and he begins to say, God is greater. That's the point he's trying to make here. As believers certainly life is hard. Your life is not any harder than the next guy's life. In fact, most of us are going through difficult situations on a daily basis as we face the realities of this life. But we must, as believers and children of God, we must come to a place where instead of us declaring all the time that life is hard, yes, that's a reality, but we move to a place where we declare to all those around us and and more importantly to ourselves that God is greater than anything that we may face that's the point that Peter's trying to make he says I know what you're going through I know life is hard I know you're facing things in life that are that that are overwhelming to you and you don't see an end to the hardships in your life but God is enough Jesus is sufficient and so he begins to reveal this to us as we walk through this you know most of us never really pay attention to the the reality that the trials that we have in our life are oftentimes put in our path for a reason. To equip us, to make us stronger, to prepare us for the future. All of us are pretty much here today are are pretty much aware of the story of David and Goliath. But how many of us have ever given thought to, to how God prepared David for that day where he would take a small, smooth stone and a sling And he would bring down a giant in his life. Most of us, we point to this tremendous faith that David had in God. And no doubt that's true as this young man, when no one else would step up to the challenge, this young man, the weakest of the weak, would stand there and he would face this giant. But how many of us have ever considered the reality that before he would stand before a giant, he had already slayed a bear and a lion? I don't know about you, but if I got to wrestle a lion or a bear, that's a struggle. He had been through stuff. He's been through difficult situations. And it's through that that God had equipped him as the one who could step up and take out the giant in his life, in their life. The reality is many times, the situations that we're going through, God has a purpose. He has a plan in all of that. But Peter, he makes this point. Jesus is enough. I want to show you something here because I think this is wonderful. Uh, you know, what we, what we need to understand here as we look at this passage is that Peter himself was also, I mean, Peter's not off at a distance writing this letter and not going through the same types of troubles and trials and situations that they're going through to the, to the ones he's writing. He's facing his own difficulties. And so in writing this letter to the dispersed Christians, he begins his letter, and and as you would expect, he does this brief introduction in verses 1 and 2. And then we get to verse 3. Did you notice what he did when we started reading this letter in verse 3? Did you notice that he stopped and he paused and he worshipped God before he went into the letter? Look at this with me, if you will, in verse 3. It says here that he begins this, this passage after his introduction he says this, he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives an introduction, then he stops, and he praises God. He says, bless you, Father. Father, you are wonderful, you are Worthy of blessing, you are worthy of praise. I love the song that we were singing His Praise Will Ever Be On Our Lips. You know, is that really a reality? Can we really sing that in truth this morning? You know, the reality is it should be. We should be able to sing always praises from, from, from our lips. Our, always we should be able to declare His beauty and His majesty and His glory, even in the most difficult of circumstance. but it's not always the case. Here, Peter, in the midst of persecution and knowing many friends and family members who are going through the difficult times in their life, he stops before he writes the letter, and he worships. Bless you, Father. Bless you, Father. Bless you. I love you. Bless you, Father. Blessed be to God, the Father of our Lord, Jesus Christ. You know, what what we might expect from a letter from a guy who's going through tremendous persecution, writing to people who are going through tremendous trials and sufferings in their life, is something like this God, how could you allow this to happen to us? God, why is this happening to us? But he doesn't. He worships God, he blesses God. He says, he says, God, bless you, bless you, bless you. I love you. I am thankful for you. I praise you. This is Peter's worship. Notice in this passage, he's not saying to them, those who are going through the hard times, hey, stop and praise God. No, he's writing the letter. This is Peter's own personal worship. As he's writing the letter, he stops and he says, praise be to God, despite what we're going through. And then he continues in his letter You know, I look at that and I look at this, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I look at that and I wonder how is it that a person in the midst of their trials and their hardships and their suffering, how is it that a Christian, how is it that a child of God can be that vertically focused in the midst of the most difficult time in their life? Bless you, God. How do we turn our trials and our sufferings into moments of genuine worship? That's the question, isn't it? When we're going through difficult times in our life, how is it that we come to a place where we just say, praise God? You know, James points out that we're supposed to be, we're supposed to rejoice in our trials. That's that's even that's even more difficult, I think. I mean, but the reality is what we see in scripture over and over and over is when people are suffering so often they continue to worship God even in the midst of their circumstance. And the greatest struggle that they've ever faced, they say, Praise God. And I'm convinced it's because they have come to a place where they understand the sufficiency of God's power in their life. They've come to a place in their life where they just know that God is enough. They've been through it all. They've seen it all. They, they understand it all. And, and, and their living hope in their life is God. Nothing else but God. And so the question for me and I hope for you as well is is how do we as people who are going through life dealing with stuff like anxiety and stress and uncertainty and insecurities and fear and all these things that we face in life, how do we become that vertically focused to where we too would praise God in the midst of our difficult situations? I believe the answer is found in this passage. As Peter is writing this, He declares so much to us. He unveils so much to us. And one of the things that if we're going to worship God in the midst of our trials, you know, see, here's the thing. We are able to do that. We are able to worship God. Because in God's great mercy, we have new life. And that's the point I want to make here. That's the point that Peter is making here. In God's great mercy, we have new life. We need to never underestimate the new life that we have in Christ. We have new life. As a believer, as a follower of Christ Jesus, as a child of God, we have new life. Look at what Peter says in this. Verse 3, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at this. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to what? To a living hope. You know what being born again to a living hope does for you? It it destroys hopelessness. You're living in a place of hopelessness. Well, when you're born again to a new living hope, that replaces the hopelessness in your life because now you have hope. The hope is Christ Jesus. And so Peter says here, he says, you know, he's worshiping God. Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. First of all, it's very obvious that Peter is moved by this great mercy that comes from the Father. Peter is moved by this reality that God is a merciful God. That he is a merciful God. He he is a God of great mercy. That's why he says, bless you, Father. You are merciful. And then he goes on to say, we've been born again to a living hope. I want to explain something to you here this morning. I I want to explain to you why Peter uses the word mercy here instead of grace. Because typically when we talk about being born again, when we talk about salvation, when we talk about what God has done in our life, we, we like to use the word grace. And grace and mercy are very, they, they, they can be interchangeable in a way. They, 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 they sort of have the same context. In other words, In other words, grace is receiving that which we don't deserve, but mercy is exactly that as well, isn't it? Mercy is receiving that which we really don't deserve either. But most of the time when we're talking about being born again, when we're talking about salvation, we use this word grace. In fact, the word teaches us that we have been saved by what? By grace. Through what? Through faith in Christ Jesus. But here Peter uses the word mercy. And that's because oftentimes when the word grace is used, it's pointing to the, the, concept, the, the context of guilt. You see, we are sinners who are separated from an eternity from a holy God who will not allow sin into his life. And so what we have is we have sin in our life. We are guilty of being sinners. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But by God's grace, we've been restored into a right relationship with him. We didn't deserve it. We have guilt on our life, but he gave it to us anyway. He bestows his grace upon our life and we are saved by his grace. But mercy is typically used when it's fitted along with someone who's going through difficult situations in their life. In other words, mercy is a better fit when people are in need of being comforted. And that's exactly what we see here, where Peter is writing to those people who have been born again, those people who have been saved by God's grace through faith in Christ Jesus. They are children of God. They have been restored into a right relationship with Jesus. They've been saved by grace. But they've also been extended mercy from a God who is one of great mercy. That's why Peter is praising God in the midst of trials, in the midst of hardship, in the midst of pain and agony and suffering. He says, but God is merciful. Notice how Paul describes this same Idea the same truth in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 3, and 4. He says this. He says blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. See how he starts that out? Just exactly the same way that Peter describes that as well. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus. Paul, too, in writing to the Corinthians, is worshiping God. He is pausing to, to worship God, to praise God. But then he says this. The Father of mercies. And the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Do you see that? The Father of mercies and the God of comfort. Most all of us in this room have probably got something going on in our life to where we need the comforts of a holy and righteous God. Amen? Where we need His great mercy in our life. No doubt we need our grace, but we need His mercy. You know, being a young man who was stricken with fear and insecurity, who was feeling hopeless, God's mercy, even though I didn't completely understand it, God's mercy, man, it was so wonderful to me to know that God was comforting me and restoring me and bringing me to a place, changing me, giving me new life and a new hope instead of living in a life of hopelessness. He was doing that for me. You know the reality is God wants to do that for you as well. I talked to two young men after the first service, both of them which said that for whatever reason they didn't know but today they got up and They hadn't been in church in a while. They were two separate guys. And both of them said they felt led to come here. And both of them heard a message that they said they desperately needed to hear. Never been here before. One of them said, I had a gut feeling. I said, you had the Holy Spirit wooing and drawing you to Himself. I said, I'm convinced that you being here is no accident today that I am convinced that you are here today because God wants to do something substantial in your life. And the reality is I believe that's the case for every single one of us. I don't care how long you've been a believer or how long you've been coming to this church, that God's Word never returns void and God is wanting every one of us in this room to hear this message that was written so many thousands of years ago that we call the Word of God. John 10, verses 9 and Jesus says this, he says, he says, I am the door. If anyone enters by Me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief, speaking of the devil, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Look at what He says next. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down His life for the sheep. Jesus says I have came I came that they may have life and have it abundantly and then he says I am the good shepherd meaning that he is the one who leads us where to greener pastures. He is the one who is bringing us with him and leading us as we follow him. He is taking us to a place that is comforting to us. He is our wonderful counselor. He is our mighty God. He is our prince of what? Of peace. You see, here's what I'm convinced of. And I hope we get this this morning. Here's what I'm totally convinced of. Our circumstances in life, the situations that we go through, our circumstances, they don't have a right to determine whether we have a good day or a bad day. Because God's great mercy has established that every day is a good day. Did you hear that? Our circumstances don't establish that for us. We don't have good days and bad days as a child of God because we have been given a living hope and His name is Jesus Christ. We've been given a living hope from a Father who is a Father of great mercies and He has bestowed this upon us and despite any circumstance that we go through in life, God is good. God is good and God is enough. God is sufficient in our life. Well, that's the first thing I wanted to say. There's only four more to go and since you're the second service. Nobody's coming in behind you. And we'll just keep pressing forward. Another reason that we can turn to God in worship is in the midst of our trials is because we have been given an inheritance that is unbreakable and it's important for us to understand this we have been given as a child of God as someone who has been saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus we have been given an inheritance that is unbreakable now why is that important why is it important that we understand that why is it important that Peter, when he was writing to those dispersed Christians who were going through the hardest moments of their life, why would it be important for him to point to a reality that there is something waiting for them, an inheritance that is waiting for them, that is unbreakable, you can't shatter it, it's going to last forever. Because honestly, for so many of them, that's all they had to look forward to. Many of them were in prison waiting death. Nero was taking Christians and dipping them in oil and sticking them on a stick and lighting them on fire as street lamps for the city of Rome. Christians. And yet Peter is writing to them and he says, You hang on. You hang on. Because you see, you belong to something greater than yourself. You hang on because there is something waiting for you that is going to be more glorious than anything you could ever imagine. I know what you're going through. I know the circumstances that you face. But our God is a good God. Our Father is one of great mercy. He is glorious in every way. And He has given us an inheritance that is unbreakable. He says here, He says He has caused us to be born again and live in hope. And then in verse 4 and 5, He says, to an inheritance that is imperishable, that is undefiled, that is unfading. Look at this. That is kept in heaven for you. Isn't that amazing? Your inheritance is waiting for you. Your inheritance is waiting. It's being kept. By, kept by who? Who's guarding your inheritance? Look at what the Word of God says. It says, is being kept by you or for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith. God is holding your inheritance. God has got something much greater for you awaiting than anything that this world would ever offer good or bad. God has got waiting for us something that is much, much greater and more glorious than anything we could ever hope for. You see, we're running this race called life. And this life is not always easy, but there is something beyond this life. I asked Spence if I could share this story so I got his permission before I tell it. Several years ago, I was running triathlons. Obviously, I'm not today, but uh, I probably should. But, but I, I love running these triathlons. And so one day, I came into the office, and, I, and I, I, I got Spence and Michael, and I said, hey, guys, I want y'all to do something with me. I want y'all to go run a, a triathlon. And they were like, oh, yeah. You know, and here's what I know they were thinking. Oh, we're so much younger than you. If you can do it, we can do it, right? So I'd been training, and I encouraged them. I said, you better go train, you know. And, and I remember we were driving up there, and I asked Spence, I said, Spence, Have you you been training? He said, I ran once. I ran once. I mean, he went out to the neighborhood and he ran like a mile. You know, he's got to run 10 miles. He's doing a, or nine miles. He's doing a, he's doing a a 10K run, uh, which is six miles. And he was doing a 5K run all in the same day. Nine point something odd miles he had to run. I said, you ran once. Good for you. I remember we started to race and, and things were going good. And, 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 uh, and I remember passing Spence on one of the curves, and, and I saw him, and he looked like he was about to die. In fact, he was running something like this. You know, he was about to die. And I said, Spence, having fun yet? As I ran by him, he said, The only thing that I'm looking forward to is when I get done with this race, I never have to do another triathlon as long as I live. He said, I'm going to finish this thing, but I will never do this. Because he said there is something greater beyond the finish line than a triathlon. That's exactly what Peter's saying here to the Christians who are going through those terrible, difficult, hard situations in their life. And the message that that they are sending back to people like Peter... I don't know if I can deal with this much longer. And Peter says, you hang on. You see, Jesus is your living hope. Jesus, Jesus has done something in you. He has given you the greatest gift that you could ever give, be given. He's given you hope. You hang on. Because even if this life brings you nothing more than suffering. What lies beyond it is so much glorious. Jesus is enough. God is good. Every single day of your life, God is good. and God cares for you emotionally. He cares for you spiritually. He even cares for us physically as we have Looked at in the last series, briefly. He cares for us. And because of what He has done in our life, our circumstances, they don't get the right to declare what is good and what's not. He already has. Paul says in Corinthians, he says, such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. You see, our insecurities disappear when we are confident in who God is, not who we are. Our hopelessness disappears when we realize that God has extended to us a living hope through Christ Jesus. Our fear can be replaced with courage Because we know how strong our God really is. And we know that through Christ Jesus we can accomplish all things. That nothing is impossible with God. That's who we are as children of God. So this morning, the greatest truth that we could walk away with looking at this verse, or this passage, is that Jesus is greater than all of my issues. And I... I pray. I pray that you believe that. Some of us here today, we really need to believe that. That Jesus is greater than all of my issues. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 5 and 6, Paul continues He says, For what we proclaim is not of ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. God wants us this morning to believe and to know and to have the certainty that Jesus is greater and all of our issues. And I know that He wants us to know that because that's what His Word has to say to us this morning. We decided as a staff what we'd like to do throughout this series is offer one of God's promises at the end of each message of this series. And these promises are designed that we, we could take them with us, we could put them in our pocket, we could memorize these, these truths of Scripture but we can memorize them and better equip ourselves that we could always know that Jesus is greater. He's greater than anything we could ever face. And so this morning, I want to present to you the first promise of this series from God's Word. This is not something I have to say this morning. This is something that God is saying to us. The first promise, promise number one of this series is this. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. For my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Would you say that with me this morning? Promise number one, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Read this with me. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. That's what God is saying to you this morning. That's God's promise to you this morning. That despite how weak you may feel from day to day, God is sufficient. In just a moment, I'm going to pray and our band's going to come up here and they're going to close us out with that last song. And this morning, I want to encourage you to respond in whatever way that, that you feel that you want to respond this morning. Maybe for you this morning, you know, your greatest act of worship is to just praise God. Just like Peter, he starts off in verse 3, he says, bless you, Father. Bless you, Father. I love you. I praise you. Bless you, Father. Maybe for you this morning, that would be your greatest act of worship. To thank God for every great blessing that He has bestowed on your life. To turn to Him and... Adoration and worship. This altar is a perfect place to come and just spend some time and just thank God for everything that He has done in your life. Maybe this morning you know somebody who is struggling, going through some of the most difficult situations in your life. You know, one of the realities I believe in our world today is that we just don't pray enough. Maybe it's because we don't think prayer works, maybe it's because we don't think God is listening. God is listening. God is listening. And so maybe for us, some of us this morning, our greatest act of worship is to come down here and pray for our family and our friends and our loved ones and our neighbors and our city, those that we know who are suffering in such a great way. Maybe this morning you still have some questions that you would like answers for. Our pastors are down front. If you would like for them to pray with you, I'll be down here on the front row and if we run out of pastors, we've we got people that can pray with you. We'll, we'll pray with you. But I know that some of you are going through difficult times in your life right now, and maybe your greatest act of worship is to step out of, out of a comfort zone and to seek someone to pray with you, to, to speak to, to help you, to walk with you through this. Jesus is definitely enough to help you get through whatever it is that you face whatever your greatest act of worship would be this morning as it relates to responding to God, then let us as the church be faithful to respond in whatever way that is. Let me pray for us. And you respond. Father, we thank You for this day. God, we thank You for Your grace and Your mercy God, we do recognize that You are a Father of grace. God, You are a Father who, Lord, comforts and cares for us. And maybe today, Father, there are those that are sitting here that have forgotten that truth. Maybe there's some sitting here today, God, that that God came into this church hoping for You to somehow change or impact their life. feeling pretty hopeless about that happening. God, would You speak into their heart this morning? Father, our prayer this morning is that every one of us would walk out of here God believing in the sufficiency of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Believing He is enough. God declaring to ourselves that our circumstances will no longer dictate whether or not we're having a good day or a bad day, but recognizing You as a Father of great mercies. Father, we pray, God, we would be strong enough and understand enough to rely on the truth that Your grace is sufficient. your power is in our weakness father we love you so much we praise you god for all that you're doing in this place we thank you for what you're doing in cities like boston and new york god we pray for our mission team as they're away. god we pray for the for our life groups this week as they discuss these issues in their life god we love you and praise you in the name of jesus amen